Welcome to the show. Here with Dan Gall, and it is time for Left, Right, and Center. Our guest this morning, Gil Warren, yes. filling in. For <laughs> you might want a. I need a mic. microphone. You might want a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Gil Warren filling in for Marion Boyd, and Bob Metz filling in for well, Bob Metz. Yeah, hi, Dan. Welcome, both of you. <laughs> okay, we're organized. Are you okay, we're organized. Okay. okay, all right. Happy to be here. No more coffee for Gil. Okay, welcome to the show, and it's left, right, and center as we discuss issues that uh, have come up in the past week. Our number, we uh, of course invite our listeners to join in the fray six four three twelve ninety star twelve ninety on the Rogers AT and T phone line this morning. Uh, rather lively phones took a real quick gall up poll this morning with regards to uh, the federal government's decision to subsidize NHL hockey teams. And in no, um, there was absolutely, I mean, the point is the federal government suggests that there's a real uh, divisiveness between Canadians about this. Well, our Gallup poll showed that 88% said absolutely not. This is ludicrous and our tax dollars could be spent more wisely on something else other than NHL hockey teams. Any comments with regards to this whole deal. That's interesting because that's the very ratio that we had, uh, like, I was once the, the chairman of the No Tax for Pan Am Committee when the City of London back in the in the early 80s wanted to spend $110 million to host the 1991 Pan Am Games here in the city. And even the sports community and even everyone on any private poll, you got about 88 to 90 percent opposed, and yet consistently uh, the public, the politicians, and the people in the public and the media kept telling us the majority wanted this stuff, and uh, they went after. It. We we actually defeated that because uh, at the time, Sports Minister Otto Jelinek withdrew the funding from the whole scheme. So, it's it's a very consistent theme, and I find it very uh, interesting too that I find among people who are really in the sports, and I'm not, but I listen to a lot of sports uh, editorials and sports uh, talk basically because there's a lot of politics in it, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I find that 90% of the people in sports are opposed to subsidizing sports with, with tax dollars, and I find that quite commendable. A great, uh, a great article in the uh, Globe and Mail this morning in the sports uh, section with regards to what this really is. And the suggestion was this is nothing but a political decision, a political agreement between the Ottawa Senators and John Manley, the industry trade minister. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. The senators are in financial difficulty, so they have to save them, but they have to make it look like they're saving all the teams, so uh, therefore they come up with this uh, grand policy. But I, I just want to state that my position is that I'm, I'm opposed to tax subsidies to the wealthy, and I think hockey players are wealthy people. And I think that's what's wrong with our tax system. I, I heard the radio show earlier today, and there were a lot of people phoning and saying things like, in Canada, our taxes are higher than any other place in the world. And that simply is not true. I have evidence here uh, that clearly shows that, that that's not true. I think the average taxpayer is opposed to subsidies to the hockey league or, or to the wealthy people because they're paying a heavy tax burden right now. But uh, what you have to do is keep it in context. And I think the, the wealthy people are not paying enough. There's too many subsidies for the wealthy, whether they're hockey players or they're big corporations that don't pay any, any, any taxes. And I that's the issue is... Who gets these subsidies, and, and what's the purpose? I want to, and that's an interesting take. I want to challenge you on that comment, whether we're not paying the highest taxes or not. 
It's left, right, and center. We, of course, welcome listeners engaged in this conversation at 643-1290. Star 1290 on the Rogers AT&T phone line. Um, I didn't hear that we're... You know what? I, I think a figure of speech saying we're the highest taxed in the world is out of frustration. I know for a fact, though, we are not paying taxes like the U.S. of A. is paying taxes. No, and I think that and that, that's, and that's whether we're the highest or lowest is, is irrelevant. No, it's not. That's except the Except in the sense of international competition, where people who are taxed less in one, one country will gravitate to that country if that's where their profession can, can reap more opportunities and, and get more benefits out of the work that they do. They get to keep more of the product of their labor. I, I think the point here is to look at the facts of taxes. And what happens is, right now, there's a big political lobby on by the Fraser Institute and the right to get personal income tax rates for high-income people reduced. And so they focus on the issue of income taxes. You see, and I don't consider that let me political fin- Let me lobby. finish, Bob. Let me finish. It's true. Can you just it's define, true this, Canadian... those. define okay. this for me? All right, what here. is a high income? I, I need to know that. Okay. What do you regard as a high income? What, what happens in Canada is that Canadians... On the high income side of things, like what the, is a high income? people over, say, $100,000 or whatever, okay. they do pay more income tax than Americans do. We have a progressive income tax system. But the average Canadian in Canada pays less taxes than the average American. But the real point here is how much do we pay compared to Germany or France or the, our other competitors? And I've got information here right in front of me from, from, uh, from uh, the but fair our biggest fair, no, let me finish. States. Let me finish. What the, the tax rate, the top rate in the States is about 37%. In Canada, it's about 50%. In Italy, it's 58%. In Japan, it's 65% on income taxes. But you see, you can't just focus on income taxes, okay? You have to look at the total taxes that you pay. You have to look at GST. You have to look at estate taxes. For instance, in the United States, there is an estate tax, an inheritance tax. There is none in Canada. There are big differences. So people are always comparing apples and oranges. And, and the fact of the matter is that if you look at all the taxes of all the levels of government in Ontario and compare them to European countries. And I got information here from the OECD that goes back to 1990, and there's the chart. And yes, Canada pays more taxes than the United States. Canada pays about uh, 35%, and the Americans pay about 29%. But Canada is on the low end of the scale. Everybody else in, in Germany, New Zealand, Italy, France, they all pay Sweden much higher rates. The Swedes pay like 60%. So you gotta look at the total tax package. Canadians Why? are in the because that's what we're talking about is taxes in general. Okay, when people well then say, we don't have to look at Sweden. We just gotta talk about taxes in this country, period. And no, we have to compare of, with other countries. Why do we have to do that? That's a because good question. Because we're being delivered we services. We pay taxes and we get services back. But why do we have to look at other countries? I mean, we know what we're paying. We know what they're, what they're costing. Why do we have to look at other countries well, because to see where we are in line? Because justify the fact that if I complain that my taxes are too high, that he, he can say, well, no, they're higher in Sweden. And therefore, okay, no. that, that negates my argument we get, somehow. We get Medicare get in Canada because we pay taxes. The Americans don't have Medicare because they don't pay as I, much tax. I've got somebody on a cell phone paying some dollars to talk to us this morning. 643-1290. Start 1290 on the Rogers AT&T phone. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center with our guest Gil Warren and Bob Metz. Tim, thanks for waiting, and you're on the line. Go ahead. Hi, Dan. Hi, Bob. Hi, Gil. Hi. Hi, Tim. Uh, just a quick commentary. I, when I hear about the debate, a couple of things, not your debate uh, right now, but the one in general about this, a couple of things kind of irk me. People always say they're laying the blame at the hockey players' feet, and don't get me wrong, they make a heck of a lot of money for playing a game that, you know, I pay money to play kind of thing. And I, I, but I don't really think 
that's the issue. I mean, they're going to make a, uh, an unreasonable amount of money no matter whether the Ottawa Senators play here or if they go to Virginia or wherever. They're still going to get paid that amount of money. So I think people that are blaming them shouldn't say that. I mean, it's not that one group of players that are making too much money. It's the whole league, which is one thing. But they're always going to get paid that money. You know, and if, if everyone was getting paid a lot less, they'd still all be in a relative difficulty situation, Canadian to American. Now, the other thing that uh, I find a little bit frustrating, and maybe you can straighten me around here, Bob, I tend to agree with a lot of your viewpoints on things, so maybe I'll lean towards your answer on this, but if they have a payroll of $25 million that's taxed within the province, is that not bringing in a substantial amount of income that will be lost immediately if they leave that might more than make up for whatever amount of money the province or the city of Ottawa or the feds put in, not to mention all of the other kinds of things that are associated with it, with all the spin-off merchandising, uh, the jobs for people that work in the stadiums and all of that kind of thing. And then, um, it, to me, it, it just it just seems almost like a non-argument, if, if I'm right in assuming that. And then lastly, uh, what bothers me is that people probably don't realize if they got a hold of the list of all the companies in Ontario that haven't paid their business taxes in years and years and just don't have to because the government's afraid to leave the, the province based on uh, if they make them pay it, that there's some problems with that. Good questions, Tim. We'll, we know you're on a cell phone. Okay, we'll we'll let you go, one. and the guy, we'll put, the, put it to uh, Gil okay. and Bob. Thanks. Tim has identified a universal principle here. What's happening to the hockey team is no different than what's happening to you and me and everybody else and every other form of business that's, that's taxed out of business until they have to leave the country, reduce the number of employees they have. The only reason a hockey team stands out is because of the high profile of the nature of, of what it is, and there aren't that many of them around. Like if we had 10,000 hockey teams, you wouldn't notice. But the, but the same principles apply. And it may well be true that in this case, that if pouring $10 million into the hockey team might generate $90 million in taxes down the road by keeping the team there, that may well be an economic argument. But if you have to do that to generate the 90, you're constantly, you'd have to do it in every sector of the economy. The same principle would have to hold. I would rather see tax cuts. I wouldn't have an objection to cutting mm -hmm. the hockey team's taxes, but don't make anybody else pay to give them money. Yeah. Well, if, I can, if I can jump in mm -hmm. here, first of all, I think Tim identifies a correct point that we shouldn't just focus on the players because the owners of the hockey teams are, are multi-million dollar businesses and they make multi-million do dollar profits. So it's the league and the owners that are, are, are make more money than the players. But the other point here is that, uh, and, and, and Tim raised... And what's your point, just, though? But what's just, the just, point? Why I, did you tell us that? I want to follow Is up. Is that on, evil or something? I want to follow up. On, no, I'm saying that if you're, the subsidies wouldn't be going just to the players, they're going to be going to the team owners who are very wealthy corporations. There's a problem in our society that if you are wealthy, you can get a lot of subsidies. As as Tim mentioned, if there was a uh, a list of the people who didn't pay their taxes, the big corporations. I've got it right here. There's corporation after corporation that pays no tax, no corporate tax or income tax, or a very lower percentage than the average worker. But the the point he had that Tim had there was about uh, well. If you spend a few million dollars, wouldn't that prime the, the hockey business and you'd get back, say, $90 million in, in income tax? And I've heard that argument this morning on the radio as people talked about this. But that argument applies to any kind of subsidy that you're going to make, whether it's into the farm industry or into manufacturing or whatever. And, and I would argue that you'd get a better return on your dollar if you had $5 million uh, to spend 
to spend it on poor people rather than than the, the National Hockey League That's or nonsense. hockey players. It, the, the multiplier effect will be there whether it's uh, uh, with hockey players or whether it's with a, an unemployed person getting a job. And, and I think that it's preferable as social policy to divert that money to the unemployed person who needs it a lot more than the hockey team. The, the reason that municipalities, governments, and everybody gives money to rich people, as you might put it, is because they know that rich people generate all the activity and economic base of any economy. And so what they want to do is attract them there. It doesn't matter that somebody's a billionaire. You want the billionaire to be in Ontario, or do you want the billionaire to be in California? That's the issue, and that's what. No, I, I don't think that governments is, are trying to attract that presence of capital and wealth, in so that they can this, get future taxes. Bob, that's, you've got Bob, you, Bob you've got a double standard there. It's the same as Mike Harris. If someone, if someone is on welfare. Then uh, you're going to. Uh, I, you're, I don't you're, support welfare. No, just a minute. Let me, let me make the make, let me make the, let me make the point here. If someone's on welfare, you have to intimidate them and give them a hard time and make sure that every penny is is exactly what they deserve. But if you're wealthy, you're given all these incentives. There's a there's a stick for the poor and a carrot for the rich, and that is a problem. That's oh, a contradiction. I, I, I agree. That is a contradiction. I agree. And that's that is why not we should fair. have guys, neither. Guys, I want to get, get Tom before we lose Tom. Tom, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay, go ahead. Okay, um, very quickly, my battery's running out of my cell phone. I bet. <laughs> the, we should be providing subsidies to keep the hockey teams in Canada. The taxes that they generate are vastly superior, or vastly, vastly larger than the small subsidy that we're offering. The, the fact that we say, or the, the non-facts that we, have been presented as far as, uh, um, uh, providing ta uh, subsidies to other businesses. The GM plant in St. Therese, Quebec, a Hyundai plant, pick a plant in Quebec, all subsidized. Not all subsidized, most of them subsidized. Pick a, pick a business in Canada, available subsidies from the government. Uh, name another business in Canada that's had to pay $10 million to build an express off-ramp off an expressway. You can't. But but what's you know you can't you're basically and, saying and we're on a treadmill. Furthermore, there are inheritance taxes in Canada, so I, I can't remember who said that. No, but there are wrong. not. There, there are not. inheritance taxes. There's a Actually, there are. There's a capital gains tax. There is no inheritance tax. Open your eyes, read the book. There, there is. There is no inheritance. Sh prove it. It might not be called an inheritance what tax, but if if you die and leave me a hundred thousand dollars, I pay tax on that. No, you don't. You are wrong. You are wrong. We have a financial advisor in today. I think he's actually right because we've been down this uh, this path. I think you're right, Tom. But I'll I talk to I'm Chris. Right. I, have I know a guy who inherited a house and ha and lost it because of the taxes. Couldn't afford to pay the taxes on it. That's the property taxes. But uh, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. the absurdity of Inheritance? not spending twenty dollars in order to create a hundred. You don't give money to people on wealth. You you should reduce money that is going to people on welfare and give it to people who have money because they'll create more money. Hmm. And they'll keep it Between for themselves. The two they will not keep it to themselves. They create money. They create jobs. The senators create thousands of jobs in the Ottawa region. They donate their time, their money, their expertise. The, there would not be a Special Olympics being held without the Ottawa senators in, in Ottawa this coming February. Open your eyes. We're throwing dimes to create thousands of dollars here. Tom, thanks for your call, and we're going to talk about that. What about that argument? 
I mean, I think that's a valid argument. Well, that's the argument I was making is how governments are looking at it. I don't agree with it. I don't think we should be subsidizing anyone. I cannot morally justify making a person who's having hard, a hard time making ends meet to pay taxes to uh, you know a group of people who are making millions of dollars and should get their act together so that they're self-sufficient. Uh, everyone should be self-sufficient. That's the first responsibility we have to each other. And therefore, uh, we should only be helping those people who truly cannot help themselves. And as a last resort, not all these universal social programs that are bankrupting us. And they are not. That's not true. Uh, and that are forcing they are not a burden on everyone. That is not true. That's, the, the social welfare programs, the spending on social welfare programs in Canada has been relatively flat for the last 20 years. The deficit was not caused by social welfare. It's increased every year for it, the last it, 20 it years. It was Guys. not caused by, so, it was caused by unemployment and high interest rates. Gil, what, 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 I want your take on what Tom's, you know, uh, the point that he made was, I think, was very well taken. What about, I mean, the subs subsidization here is really dimes as opposed to what Canada is getting back. Do you agree or disagree with that? I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm very suspicious. I heard the same argument about uh, other games that were that were going to be held here in the city. Yep. For example, uh, you know, Olympic games. There's only one that ever turned a profit. Every other one was a net loss to every other place in the world that was held, and that was the '84 Olympics that were held in in Los Angeles. They were the only profitable Olympics. It's very easy to say that you're bringing money and trickle down when you've already spent billions of taxpayer dollars that are never going to be recovered, never going to be capitalized, never going to be, you know, amortized the way a businessman. Gil, what do you do. think? Well, I think a lot of times people claim that you'll get more money back if you, if you invest government money than you do, especially in the private sector. They're always going to inflate the numbers, and and it's always you should always go back afterwards and check out and see how much actually. My my through. only comment that is that is a slippery slope in that. Who's the next? I mean, CFL's been crying mm -hmm. for how long about their league? They have a salary sure, cap on their players. You know, there's exactly. We've got to take a break. We've got to take a break. We will be back. We have uh, Tony and Bill on the line. And uh, you're listening to Left, Right, and Center with our guests, Gil Warren and Bob Metz. I'm Dan Gall. We'll be back after this on 1290 CJBK. Welcome back. Stand by. Usually means zip it. <laughs> <laughs> Zip it. Um, <laughs> the lost in power humor for you. Six four three twelve ninety. Start twelve ninety on the Rogers AT and T phone, and we welcome back uh, Gil Warren and Bob Metz. It's left, right, and center. My name is Dan Gall. Six four three twelve ninety. Start twelve ninety on the Rogers AT and T phone. If you just joined us, we've been talking about taxes. Uh, I just had a point I wanted to make to, to just to Tom's call just before the the break yep, there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the question I would have put back to him is why should, you know, why is there more of a benefit to society through trickle-down and job creation and everything if, I, if my money is taken from me and given to a hockey team than if I just took the money myself and spent it on a VCR or a car or something else that, that employs somebody else? What, all you're doing is displacing the money from one group of people who earned it voluntarily on a market and you're saying to them, no, you're not getting this guy's money. This hockey team's going to get this money. And what you end up with is a coercive society. You end up with a society where what you get is not based on what you earn, but on who you know and how much pull you have and who your friends are and how much power they have to extract money out of people without their consent. And that's the basic moral problem with all of government and all of all of forced uh, programs that we just never seem to want to address. Would both of you agree that this decision 
was politically motivated as opposed uh, absolutely. to absolutely yeah. uh, let me let me respond it's to axiomatic. that it was it was it's a definitely a political decision because the ottawa team was threatening to pull out of ottawa and then they're looking at oh my god they're going to move to 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 the states but i think you got to look at the bigger problem here i mean i would like to nationalize the national national hockey league it used to be the nhl the national hockey league of canada with a couple of american teams but then they had expansion and they got in florida and texas and everybody else in there in california because that's where the big advertising market is, and that's where the money is. And so what's basically happened is that the Canadian Hockey League has become the American Hockey League with a c few couple of Canadian teams. And in that scenario, ultimately, we're going to end up with all the teams gone, uh, except maybe for the Toronto Maple Leafs or something. And I, I would like to see a National Hockey League with Canadian teams. Tony is on the cell. We go to Tony. Welcome to the show. How do you do? Yeah, I agree with the guy to your right. Like, I mean, it's been proven that there's a saying that uh, those that don't learn from history are condemned to repeat it. But uh, it's been proven time and time again when the government throws money into anything that they shouldn't be in, it's always wasted. There's always bureaucratic red tape that leads to more money being poured in, that leads to waste and more tax dollars coming out of the people that really can't afford to pay it anymore. Have you seen the studies that show that for each government corporation, dollar by dollar? Is that just something that everybody knows because no one's ever really researched it? Well, you know, you know what kills me Where's, your, where's your evidence on that? What, what kills me about this government is the simple fact that we are supposed to be a democratic capitalist society. They do not believe that the people know better than the government. Mm -hmm on how to spend money. They don't believe it. They don't believe the states. That's why they're thriving, because they, they let the people decide. When you take a, uh, this is a socialist government, they take away your right to choose. Now, Tony, what, uh, Tony uh, you're missing the point here. First of all, it's not a socialist government that we got here. Secondly, oh, secondly uh -huh. we, we, we have a democratic society. This is a democratic place where we elect our government so you in always, name only no in you, name no, only you per, no this is a democracy and you portray it as it as it being a dictatorship and it's not it almost is no no that's it almost is when what, the overwhelming majority of people decide that they don't want to spend money at a certain spot and they and, and the what? government goes against that will that's what you call socialism what government has a right to tell any of its citizens where to spend their money and what economic decisions to make the whole point of a free government is to make sure that the economy is free. And That's by right. free, we mean free from government, not free no. from market. Let market. the people decide. That's exactly. the whole point of a free system. And that's what a free market but is. But you're not it's talking about freedom. You're not day, talking about freedom when you say that the government is some alien thing from Mars that is not democratically elected. When they lose touch, they are alien. When they lose touch of what the people want, they have separated themselves. That is technically an alien. How do you say what the people want? Because we just talked about... Well, ask Gall we over there. He just made his own little informal poll. 90% didn't want the thing. On, on this subsidy. Thing. On this one right. thing, yeah. But other studies show that the people want the government to spend money on health and education. Oh, and sure. I'm not saying totally, but I'm saying on a vast majority of things. No, I don't think it is the vast majority I mean, of things. I think it is true in this case. The people don't want that. If, if when you come up to the election, you're really outraged about this, throw the Liberals out. Yep. I want to throw them out. But let let me tell point. you something. Yep. Let me tell you something as a working Canadian, yep. okay? Yep. I, I work. I work for General Motors. I pay good tax dollars. I am, get, I am paying more and more for less and less. And that's the way I see it. 
Because the corporations are paying less. You, you're, that's why you're picking up the slack there, because of high unemployment, of a government policy of high unemployment. Tony, I mean, I, 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 I'm listening to Tony and I'm thinking, you know, he's you know, saying that we're close to a dictatorship, we're living in a socialist country, and you, um, Gil saying, you know, we are a democratic society, and you hit it on the nail, we are democratic when it comes to election. The rest of it, I can't see We're it. We're only democratic once every five years for five exactly. seconds. Exactly. You no, know, no, it's exactly no, like it's it exact. Well, it, I gotta go anyhow. I Tony, gotta go back thanks to for work. your take this morning. <laughs> go back you. to work for the but government. The way, just a, thanks. Just, Sorry, you had to go. Sure. Just a clarification. You know, like, so you have this poll that says eighty-eight percent are opposed to this subsidy yep. to to sports. Yeah. You know, if government wanted to get into subsidizing things like that, we should actually have a voluntary tax so that the other 12% could give if they wanted to through government, if that's how they wanted to do it. I mean, uh, to me, consent means that each and every individual gets to decide what to do with his or her money, not what to do with somebody else's money. That's consensus, which is a whole different uh, ball of wax. Bill has been on the line for quite a, quite a time. Bill, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Okay, I'm uh, quite comfortable. I'm still just thinking about getting out of bed. <laughs> but uh, so I am not one of you guys for getting up early working. But no, I hear uh, like I get uh, Social Security from the states a small amount, and uh, they have a medical coverage here. It's forty-five fifty a month, which is what most people apparently have there. And I'm paying uh, about ninety bucks a month here for extended coverage. So as far as uh, everybody in the United States is running around with a misspent, set arm, it's nonsense. They have good coverage there as well as here. No, no, I, I was talking about, about uh, Medicare or... or well, that's OHIP. what I'm reading right here, Medicare right. Part B premium. Right. Well, there are 17 million Americans who aren't covered by any Medicare at all because they're, they're poor individuals. And a working poor who don't have any any medical insurance at all. In Canada, everybody's covered by by the government system. Well, then why am I paying ninety bucks a month for extended coverage? Because the Ontario government, Mr. Harris, has systematically reduced what is uh, funded by Medicare, and and in an effort to have his tax cuts, uh, the thirty percent tax cut, income tax cut. I mean, that's what was going on. There's been a reduction of the health care services, but. You don't have to pay for the extended benefits, and many people don't. Okay, you're paying a private insurance company for the extended benefits. But the point is we still have a Medicare system that in Ontario, in Canada, that's far superior to the private insurance system in the States. And part of the reason we have that is because we pay higher taxes in the States to, to support the government Medicare system. And They pay higher taxes in the States. To support we the pay, Medicare we system? Pay, we pay higher taxes we, here, okay. Canadians, to, in part, pay for our medical system. Well, I'm paying 40, I would, if I was in the States, paying 45, 50 a month. Yeah, but if you were paying your entire health care premium, it would be hundreds of dollars per oh, year. Oh, yes, it would. And that's but what people... I believe in it's much more expensive being bought with the government acting as a middleman than if I went to Blue Cross. No, no, absolutely. You're, no, you're not right there. The studies have been done that show. Okay, studies have been done. You get studies to everything. Yeah, I'll no, take you back to when this come in. Yeah. I was paying ten bucks a month through my employer to Blue Cross, which took me into the hospital for a cold or an appendix. As soon as this come in, the premium was eleven fifty a month. That's when it first come in. 
when Medicare first came in? Yeah. You're talking like 30 years ago? You're talking 30 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Old news, but okay. No, no, it's, no, no, it's relevant. It's, it's, it's relevant. exactly the same. But you were paying costly through the government. You were paying Blue Cross for your, for your private room and stuff like that, and people still pay that. But the, the, the This co- is what I'm paying 90 bucks right. a month for. The, the amount of money that Canadians spend on health care, the, the percent of the gross national product, yeah. is far less than what Americans spend. Ameri- no, no, this is dead wrong. No, I'm sorry. I, I I've seen the figures studies. out right now. I have, I it's have seen It's 11.8 in the States and 9 point something in Canada and 5 point something in Britain. I got a whole list of that. 11.8 what? Of GDP? Of Ameri- You're right. Yeah, of American GDP goes into health care. And we spend less because we have a, a state health care system. Well, to the extent well, that's true, we no, get you know, I think you're wrong. And I think no. you're wrong on that. And, and as a matter of fact, we're going to take a break. And I've just had some information on that bill. Listen, thank you for your call. We're going to pick up the conversation here. Uh, and we have another bill on the line. But we're going to take a quick break. I've got some stats in my office, I think, about the GDP and what we spend. We'll be back after this on 1290 CJBK's Left, Right, and Center. Welcome back. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center with our guests, Gil Warren and Bob Metz. I'm Dan Gall. Left, Right, and Center's phone number, 643-1290, star 1290 on the Rogers AT&T phone. I did uh, go to my uh, my office, and I picked this from the Fraser Forum, uh, an article. That actually, a guest that we had on uh, yesterday uh, about the article, The Broken Covenant, U.S. Spends More Than Canada. Gil was right in health care spending. The U.S. now spend more per person on health care than those in Canada. Uh, this will no doubt be shocking to every Canadian who has been misled into believing that Canada's tax differential is due solely to our beloved health care system. Um, the amount spent on health care by government as a percent of GDP is roughly the same in both countries. 6.5% in the U.S. and 6.4% in Canada. The difference between the two countries increases significantly if private health care expenditures are included. In total, the U.S. spends almost 14%, while Canada spends a little over 9% of GDP on health care. So, well, we don't allow a lot of private health care here. Well, you, so that's, that's, right. that's obvious. And the, and the it's issue because is... Because it's more efficient to do it with a, go- well, a government no. system. No, and that's what's happening with the states. That's why Bill Clinton was pushing for Medicare. In the states, what's happened Bill is... Bill Clinton was pushing for 17, Medicare by vote. 17... Look at let political, me make, Gil. Leave, you just leave said the that politics already. You out. Know that it, we can't leave the politics no, out of it. It's completely political. The, the, the government of the United government States, the president politics. wanted Medicare because 17 million Americans have no Medicare. If you get sick, you lose your house. You don't need a you universal have Medicare program to help 17 million people. You need a very specific yes. program aimed at the 17 million, no. if that's even true. And, and uh, what we have in the states is a whole bunch of insurance companies all trying to make a profit all trying to compete with, with each other all creating bureaucracies and and it makes an inefficient system the canadian system is and the ones that are very inefficient mo- will go out of business and the ones that re- find more efficiency will stay in and the american for a better product the american it's irrelevant it's irrelevant no, to no, anything it's not irrelevant when an american I, as a consumer when an Ameri- have a right to go to an insurance company of my choice whether you think it's expensive or not i should have the right to not buy if the, the not if a democratic government is elected a totalitarian. That's not a democratic government. A government that tells <laughs> me that I can't go to the marketplace and buy my health insurance from a because company the majority that I want of the to people, do business with. Because the majority of Canadians support Medicare. That's obscene. That's it's an obscene a, suggestion. They you're do. Okay, let's, let's, let's take another call. I, I disagree. Our numbers are six four three twelve ninety twelve ninety. That means you really disagree. Uh, I really. Disagree. <laughs> well, I disagree with you. Six four three twelve ninety. Start twelve ninety on the Rogers AT and T phone. 
Line welcome, Bill. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Attaboy. Yes, I, I'd like to uh, take issue with what the previous caller had to say, Tom. Yep. Where he was saying that uh, government's investing a dime to make a dollar. Okay, go, yeah, okay. And, and uh, he seems to be under the impression, mistaken impression, that if Ottawa left, they're taking the 25 to $50 million that's in the community, that entertainment dollars that go to Ottawa, uh, Senators' games, and buy the tickets, buy the, uh, uh, the concession booths and the merchandising and all that. If Ottawa leaves, that money still stays in the neighborhood. It's still there. People will find something else to spend their money on. You, you, Bob touched on that, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. I mean, they'll, they'll go to something else. They'll go to the Ottawa 67s, or they'll go to the football, or they'll go to the local theaters, or, or movie houses, and all that. They will still spend their entertainment dollar. Exactly. And there'll and be it, a trickle-down effect through there. And there will be much more value involved, because the whole point of value is that if my money's taken from me on something that I don't support and don't want to even have anything to do with, that money is of no value to me. I've right. been robbed of my time and my labor. But what if, I really it. believe that the government will lose money on this. They won't gain oh, from uh, any trickle-off uh, jobs. Absolutely. Because uh, if, if they're given, uh, I don't know how much, they're, they're estimating they're going to get about $12 million, or $12 uh, uh, million in subsidies from all the governments, uh, municipal and federal and uh, uh, provincial. If you give them that much money, and first of all, the players that are playing, they're making those high salaries, they're not paying income tax. They all have high-priced lawyers and accountants that have tax deferments and put them in investments and trust funds. and everything. They're not putting any money back in there. The government's not getting any income tax from these high-priced players. It's the concessions and the merchandising and all that. But that will just go on to the movie theaters or on to a junior A game or on to something else. People are not going to go and say, well, I'm not going to Ottawa's uh, Senators game anymore. I'm going to put that $25 in the bank. They're going to go spend it at the movie or to a local restaurant, which will all end up hiring. So that takes issue to, to Tom's call. Great. Bill, thank you for your call. We appreciate that input. Thank you. All the best to you. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Rogers AT&T phone. We go to Sam now. Sam, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you guys? Hi, Sam. Fine. Fine. Good. I guess I have a trouble. One of your guests is telling that he should be able to go and buy the health care. Well, those people who are rich will be able to afford that kind of a system. What about those people who can't afford? I'm talking so, about me. I, I'm, I'm about the poorest person I know, and I know that if, if, if it were allowed out there, I could buy a health care plan. I don't think so. I think the people who are on minimum wage and the kind of taxes we have in this country, they can't, they can't meet the day-to-day the well, -day well, expenses. Well, true, because of the tax and that you're we're using to pay for the Medicare you know, system. And you are telling me that those people should go out and buy an insurance? No, I'm saying they should have a choice. I'm saying that even in a country that has socialized medicine, it's unconscionable to prevent people who want to buy health care insurance from whoever, you know, to stop them from doing it. What, what rationale is there in that? There's a rationale. No, I think the rationale here is that everybody, poor or rich, gets the same care. And oh, so, so the issue is today, not, so you see that your, your issue is not good health care, your issue is same health care. If it's bad, it doesn't matter as long as everybody gets the same no, bad health care. No, but Bob, the that's exactly is, what he's saying. Even if he afford, doesn't how are you going to put, are you going to tell that person no health care for you? Let's no, say, you help, yeah. if a person can't afford health care, and right. I've said this a million times, the government should help those who cannot help 
Well, then themselves. you have a universal you, system again. No, you don't. No, you our have a universal system which system. is going to support those poor people. Then uh, let me jump in here because Bob's no. Bob's had his turn. Sam, I agree with you. This is Gil here. You have you have hit the nail on the head here. the The point is that in a private healthcare system. A private insurance company can decide not to cover you. If you had a massive heart attack, they can turn around and say, "Oh, gee, you're going to have another one, so we're not going to cover you." And that's exactly. what they—that's what they, they do in the states. The profit, I'd rather let the profit go to poor people. I've got news for you: the the, the socialized healthcare system does the, the same thing. That's not true. I may be in that boat. Marion Boyd, on the last time we were on, whether was even arguing to the point that when people are getting old in this country under our socialized healthcare system, they should not expect access to medicine they should just be prepared to die earlier you know like i mean that's where it's all going to end up and i mean it's all equal i guess that's what keeps you happy i, I think healthcare is the one 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 uh, area where i rather see the profit instead of going to an insurance company going to poor people right, I, may, I, right. I agree with you with the rest of the things that the country should be should but have that is where the profits not go when it comes to healthcare. When it, thanks sam for your call uh, we got to take another break but quickly Quickly, this was an editorial that came out yesterday. Uh, Elizabeth Whitmer, Ontario's health minister, supported the decision by Toronto paramedics to whisk critically ill patients to the nearest hospital, even if its emergency room was officially closed to all incoming patients. Ms. Whitmer was reacting to news that an 18-year-old asthmatic Joshua Fluelling died following a cardiac arrest that might have been averted had he been admitted to a closer hospital. Quebec Premier Bouchard, in a moment of political lucidity, said that health care had surpassed sovereignty in the priority department. Ralph Klein, the Alberta Premier, promised to enlist private health care companies to cut hospital waiting lists, and the government of Ontario has declared its intent to implement primary care reform and rostering changes that would see patients sign up with a single physician in return for 24 hours. I'm going to go quickly on this. What is most depressing about this state of affairs, however, is that even the current crisis in Medicare seems incapable of convincing Alan Rock, the federal health minister, to change the Canada Health Act. The very modest proposals mentioned above, rostering and privateer health service, are arguably forbidden under the law. What then are Canadians to do? Michael Bliss, the eminent historian, has suggested that Canadians sue the Minister of Health. That desperate measure might force Ottawa to take its current obligations under Medicare more seriously and commit to increased funding to the provinces. But it would still not solve the more fundamental flaw that patients are not allowed to pay directly for any of the services provided under Medicare. Until that changes, waiting lists and overcrowding will persist, more people will suffer, more will die, how terrible must things get before Mr. Rock understands this? This from the pages of the National Post in yesterday. The National Post also reported about a week ago that some of the hospitals in Toronto are going to be requiring their patients to sign a waiver in order to get their health care. And the waiver basically says you can't expect the best health care here. We're going to give you what we can ration, and you have to be happy with that. And you is cannot say all we're of going to get back to that. But it's inevitable. We're going to get back to that. We got to take a quick break. We will get back to that. End with Lisa after this on twelve ninety CJBK's Left Right. Welcome back here with Dan Gall. It's Left Right and Center on twelve ninety CJBK. Our guests this morning have been Gil Warren and Bob Metz, and also Lisa's been a guest to the show. Welcome. Hi, how are you today? Very well. Good. I've been listening to your show this morning. Um, I'm trying to form my own opinion of. Um, uh, 
of the government subsidies to the, the Canadian hockey teams. And I just wondered if you could tell me um, what the process is um, that the government goes through and, and who's involved in the decisions. Um, like, is it, uh, like, would the hospitals and the welfare system have um, a proposal to put through and then they decide where they're going to send the money? Or was this just... Um, well, I, I can jump in there, uh, Gil, here. Um, uh, there wasn't a process for a hockey team to apply for a subsidy. It's never been done before. So there, were, there was a public thing that went on there that uh, the owner went to the media and said, if I don't get money, I'm leaving town. The government then discussed this, the federal government, at the level of the cabinet. I'm, the prime minister's behind this decision. I, I can see his p political process here right. in terms of saying the other guys have to kick in their share, too. So it was a decision made by the federal cabinet. It's a very touchy political item. But in government, often, there is no process. It's invented as you go along to deal with, it, with an unusual situation. If you're a hospital, there is an established process for applying for money or a municipal government or whatever. But this was an unusual situation, and it, the decisions are being made at the top level. Does that help you, Lisa? Yeah, and I'm just thinking that perhaps um, the, the diversity on this issue is related to that. Something like where I work, when there's something to be done, a project to be worked on, they um, people would feel a lot happier if they brought um, a wide spectrum of people in to make the decision. Um, people that you know know what's going on and and the high level management. Do you know what I mean? So, you know. But Lisa, I would I would argue that are talking about this on the radio right now with thousands of people listening in London and also across the country. This is the issue of the day, is this hockey subsidies. The federal government is very carefully watching the response of the public, and so are provincial and municipal governments who have to chip in their 25%. And if people are totally opposed, uh, you, you won't see these subsidies happen. Yeah, there's a process going on here, a dialogue. I'm not so confident of that, but I Lisa, don't think so either. Thank, I you think for, thank you for your call, Lisa. You're welcome. Anytime you please call us. It's left, right, and center. And I want to thank our guests, of course, uh, Gil, Gil Warren, who's joined us for sitting in for Marianne Boyd, and Bob Metz, acting as Bob Metz today, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> thank you very much, the two of you. Always a lively one. Are Gil. you back next uh, week? No, I think Marianne's supposed to be coming back next week. Well, you've certainly added color to our, to I'm our happy, program. I'm happy to do that. And we have the uh, 12 o'clock news coming up from the Chum Satellite Radio Network, uh, along with Ask the Experts, which comes up at 12.30 with some financial advice. Ryan Spence, thank you very much for your production expertise this morning. We'll see you again tomorrow morning at 9. I'm Dan Gall. On behalf of Chip, uh, Jim Chapman, you've been listening to Talk of the Town here on 1290 CJBK.